Welcome to the First NAS Podcast. Today, Pastor Ryan is sharing from John chapter 1 with an identity question. Who am I? Let's listen in as he shares the word with us today. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. I get to see all your smiling faces. I, uh, I come to you having not preached for 397 days. Y'all need to know that. I got words. Uh, and uh, if you know anything about me by the, the year that you have gotten a chance to, almost a year, get a chance to know me a little bit, you know that I'm an extrovert, that I have lots of words. And it's been a long time since I preached, so buckle up and hold on. Uh, I counted a great privilege to be able to be here this morning and to get to share the Word of God with you. Um, I, uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, some of you, you don't even really know who I am. I've been here for a year, but it's been kind of a, a crazy road, hasn't it? Uh, I have come from a long journey of being a musician in a church since I was about three years old. And uh, singing and doing different things, I felt like that was what God had called me to do, uh, was to just be a a music minister. When he called me to ministry, I figured I would just answer the call my way, which was, I'll do music because that's what I'm good at. And God said, well, that is not cute. Uh, You could do that, but that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to preach. So for about 10 years, I ran away from that call and I said, I'll just keep on doing music. And uh, so I've been up here uh, helping lead, uh, singing, sharing songs with you. Uh, It's one of the things I absolutely love to do. One of the things that just makes me feel alive, makes me feel like I'm a child of God, is to give him praise. So I I just want to share, start off this morning sharing a little bit uh, from uh, one of my favorite hymns. Uh, Do you all know what hymns are? I feel like sometimes we've lost some of the hymns of our church. Um, I did not grow up in a church that sang hymns, unfortunately, so I had to learn as an adult the amazing beauty and, and uh, theology that you get from hymns. One of my most, uh, my most favorite hymns is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And uh, as, as we sing this morning and we, we sang Waymaker, we got to declare all these amazing things that God is to us. And I think uh, of this hymn, too, this declaration of all these identity figures, all these words that we use to identify who God is. He's a mighty fortress. He's a bulwark never failing. He is a helper amidst the flood, right? Uh, He is uh, a strength for us when we are weak. He is truth for us. He is the word for us, a word above all earthly powers. He is everything. Amen? I want to say that. Okay, there we go. There we are. Uh, I don't have the screen back there, so I want to make sure that I'm on the... Oh, that's Children's Church. Okay. First slide, please. Thanks. I have a little thing, and it may work, it may not. We can look at all these identifiers that... uh, that we use to, to talk about our great God. Um, all those words, strength, truth, provider, uh, Jehovah Jireh, that is who God is, amen? Yeah, He's a, he has an amazing list. I've, I've got a little list here. Unfailing helper, the same, the word, uh, truth, 
a mighty fortress. We have so many words we use to identify God. And yet as, as a people who follow after Christ, uh, we find ourselves sometimes, uh, as we look at uh, what we know to be about ourselves, that we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we still often struggle with our own identity, right? Uh, maybe we would say this is one of the most uh, hot topics in the world today, especially in our society. The struggle of identity. Who, who are we? With a way to describe ourselves, a way to define ourselves. Uh, we struggle to try to figure out who we are in light of who God is. And uh, I think a, a lot of us as we journey, most of us in this room, we've been journeying with Christ for a while. And maybe we would say, as if child of God is somehow not enough of a describer for us, right? As if child of God is somehow just not quite enough to, to let the world know who we are, to let ourselves know who we are. Who am I? Am I enough? Am, who am I supposed to be? How do I fit in? What is my purpose? Identity is such a huge thing for humanity, and now more than ever, the struggle of identity is, is so prominent in our lives, in those in our country, and those around the world. So who am I? Another brief intro to who I am, how I got here. Uh, a lot of you, when I first showed up, said, I didn't even know there was a new pastor coming. Uh, and, and I apologize for that. That wasn't my fault. Okay? I, I was just called to come here. Uh, I will let you know that about April of 2022, um, well, probably May, March of 2022, Tanisha and I began feeling uh, like God had uh, told us that we were done where we were, but we didn't know why. I was lead pastoring in Pasco uh, at Church of the Nazarene there, and uh, along came April, and we just said, hey, it's a district assembly. We still have this feeling. It's been about a month. We don't know what's going on. Uh, would you, God, would you just kind of speak to us and show us what's going on and uh, where we're supposed to be? Because I don't really have a direction of where I'm supposed to go, yet I feel like our time here in Pasco is, is coming to an end. And uh, it was at district assembly at the very end of the very first session that Pastor Paul walked up to me and said, how are you doing, Ryan? I said, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Paul? He said, I'm doing great. He said, are you doing good enough that you would like to uh, set aside uh, preaching at Pasco and come work with me at Lewiston? And I, I mean, that was like a, a truckload hit me right there. I mean, he didn't even like lead into it. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He said, I just feel like God's God's got something going on, and I want to invite you to come and be a part of the team in Lewiston. So I told my wife, and I said, uh, can, can you believe this? And she said, yeah, no, I can't. Uh, you're a lead pastor, not an associate pastor. You're a preacher. And I said, yeah, I know what that's, that's what God's called us to, but uh, maybe we should pray about this. So we began praying about it. And wouldn't you know, God said, this is exactly what I want for you right now. We had no clue what was going on. We didn't know at that time that I had cancer. Uh, it was uh, far off of our radar. But according to the doctors, I'd had it for probably a year at that point. Uh, so God knew what he was doing in calling us here. God was calling us to a place where I could step back from the responsibilities of leading a church board and preaching every Sunday and, and all of those things and uh, be surrounded by an amazing church family who could help us and pray through this journey with us, this journey of cancer. 
He'd also uh, allowed God to just show us time and time again how amazing his timing is. We moved here, and of course, we had to switch insurances because uh, we were uh, coming from Washington Insurance to Idaho Insurance, and our insurance didn't cover any of the cancer uh, doctor appointments that we needed to do. But lo and behold, my wife got a job, and about four days after, or four days before I was diagnosed uh, with esophageal cancer, we got insurance that covered our trips to Seattle for the cancer center. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, you, you, you can applaud and say amen. I, it's a big amen for me. We, we found a God who was just showing us, I've called you here for a reason. And, and it's a lot of reasons, but I've called you here for a purpose. And it's a big purpose. So we, come, we came here and we, we found a place where we could uh, have treatment and have it be covered by insurance. For the most part, we've had our ups and downs, as many of you know. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, insurance has come through. And then uh, as we began the journey in talking to oncologists, we, we set out to meet our new oncologist here. They said, uh, do you care which oncologist do you have? Do you have a preference? I said, no, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want a good one. And they said, we'll give you our brand new oncologist, uh, a lady named Dr. Irene. I said, that sounds great. And we go and meet her, and she tells us, I just moved here from Houston just a little while ago. She worked at a big cancer center in Houston. So why in the world would you move to Lewiston, Idaho? And she said, well, I like it here. And I said, I'm kind of asking myself the same question right now, uh, but I kind of like it here too. And when you know this rare cancer that I have, this young doctor, had already successfully treated a case in Houston. And God would bring us to a place of healing and he would bring us to a place where our insurance would work and he would bring us to a place where a doctor would say, I've done this before, I've been there, and we can do this together. We can beat this. We serve an amazing God, an amazing and mighty God. And in the midst of all of our ability to concretely say to him, this is who you are, God. All the identities, all the things that he is for us. We still struggle. So a question for all of you. Who are you? Who are you in the grand scheme of things? How do you identify yourself as you sit here today in this church? What are the words you would use and as you think about that for a moment, I just want to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Out of John chapter 1, starting at verse 10, it says this. He came into the very world He created, but the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own people, and even they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for this, this short little passage of verses that means so very much to us. We pray, Father God, that as we talk about this this morning, as we unwrap this, that your Holy Spirit would be present, that you would remind us what you call us, children of God. God, that we would find sufficiency in this, that we would find safety in it, and that we would find your truth in it. May your will be done in us, God, as we talk about your word, and may we leave this place changed because of it, transformed 
by your amazing grace. We pray it in Jesus' great name. Amen. Who are you? When someone asks you the question, the first thing that we typically mention is one of the duties or the roles that we perform on a daily basis, right? So who are you? Somebody say, who are you? Okay, now tell me who you are. Identify yourself. What do you do? Okay, I hear some mumbling. There we go. There's one. I know some of you, you, you work with your hands. I know some of you, you're lawyers. Some of you are stay-at-home parents. Some of you are teachers. Who are you? Our ability to just mention the list of duties and roles that we perform on a daily basis is a, is a really good cop-out answer to who we are, right? It's uh, to give some information to some people about who we might be, but not too much, right? It begins to identify us, but maybe not all the way. Maybe you are a lawyer or a teacher or a stay-at-home parent or a firefighter, but that is not actually who you are. Rather, it is what you do, right? Right? Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to take a pause here and tell you guys I'm not like Pastor Paul or Pastor Becca or Pastor Bill. And I don't often ask rhetorical questions. And I like involvement when you are with me in the room at the same time. So when I ask questions, so I tell this to my teens all the time, all through youth ministry. I don't ask rhetorical questions. And then I got to ask, I got to say what rhetorical question is. But I want you to participate. We're here to learn together, right? Amen? All right. So it's not actually who you are, what you do. It's not who you are. It's just what you do. It's one of those things, right? There you go. It's understandable to say that uh, what we do in this sense, because it, it is a big part of our lives, but we cannot and must not let our ultimate identity be uh, and, and our definer be who we are, the jobs and the roles that we have. If we let our jobs and our daily roles define us, then our identity becomes misplaced because our daily roles change a lot, don't they? Our jobs, sometimes they change, sometimes they don't. Sometimes we're in a career for a good majority of our life. But still, our identity cannot be found in these things. Uh, it becomes a misplaced identity when we live a life that is stuck or just uh, focused upon what we do. We live a life that way of little contentment and one that is always longing for acceptance. Something else. Something more. So if, if our identity does not come from what we do, then there are other places that we need to be careful also about where it should not come from. Our identity does not come from what others say about us either. It's not from what others say. We'd like to think it is because we like acclaim, right? We like applause. We love it when people identify us in good ways. Amen? Because we like to feel good about ourselves. But I think sometimes we hold on to the negative things that people say about us even more so than we do the positive things. We just let them eat at us. Uh, we look in mirrors and we hear those voices over and over and over again. And our identity becomes something that is just untrue. Every day we believe things about ourselves that are untrue. These untruths just don't line up with the truth 
about us according to the Bible. Not only is it easy to assume our identities from what we do or the role we fill, but we are often so labeled by those around us. And because of our need for acceptance, we often believe the people who label us, even ourselves. We believe them instead of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to just think for a second how many of you struggle standing in front of a mirror, just identifying yourself and all the things that you see and that you don't see. It was uh, just a little over a year ago I shared a sermon in Pasco where I did a little exercise with every person in the sanctuary that morning. I had purchased a, just a little pocket mirror for every person and I, and I set it out there and gave one to every person and said, uh, for this exercise I just want you to look at yourself in the mirror. You would not believe how many people just can't look at themselves in the mirror. Across the whole room, over half of the congregation couldn't, do, couldn't look in the mirror for longer than about 10 or 15 seconds. And it's because of all the labels, it's because of all the identities, it's because of all the, the definers that have been placed on life. All the things that they see. Things like loser, quitter, alcoholic, cheater, lazy, workaholic maybe, a nobody. You fill in the blank. You all have words that people have defined you by or that you define yourself by that are just not true, not lining up with what God says about you. Those words that these, these people, these descriptions, uh, they are not truly who you are. God calls each of us something else entirely, does he not? What does God call you? He calls you his child. He calls you his chosen one, his forgiven one, his masterpiece, uh, a new in Christ creation, a more than conqueror, a citizen of heaven, all these identifiers. I believe that this, in this day and age, we are many, if not all of us, on a journey to identify ourselves more and more. And this is what I mean by this. If I, if I really wanted to get down to who I am, I could add identifiers and adjectives a plenty. I could tell you that I'm white. I mean, you can obviously see that, right? Let me know you're awake. Okay. I'm middle-aged. I have some gray hair thanks to my children. Okay. Uh, I'm conservative more often than not. I love riding motorcycles. I'm an outdoorsman. I love being out in the woods. I love being in nature with God. I love being on the beach. I love being in the trees and in the mountains. I'm patriotic. I know a lot about our country, the founding of our country, the documents thereof. I could talk for hours about it. I love freedom. I love living in a country that is free and gives us freedom to worship the way we choose, to do things the way we choose. I'm extroverted, meaning I love being around people. I get energy being around people. I can talk for hours. I'm a pastor. I'm an American. I am full of cancer. It's another identifier. There's a lot more to the list that I could put, a lot of negative identity markers, because I've got a ton that I look at in the mirror and I see 
but I just don't want to give time to them this morning, but they're there. Some of those are who I am and some are what I do, but more and more I find myself learning from the Holy Spirit of God to focus, to just whittle down to something a little more simple. To chop off all the adjectives and the identifiers, to, to maybe get all the way down to just what? Because there's one that's more than enough. It's the most important one it is, and it's a child of God. Now, if I gave you this task today and I said, today I want you to get rid of all of your identity markers, all those words you choose to identify yourself with, all those words that everybody around you identifies you with, and I want you to just go with child of God, and uh, I'll check in with you tomorrow morning and see how you're doing. I know the vast majority of us would have a long list still. But my challenge is that today for you. To begin wondering what it would be like to just sit in the identity of being a son or a daughter of the Most High King. To just have that be enough. Why is it so important? Well, the list of identity adjectives that we carry around with us is just simply exhausting, isn't it? If you think about all the things that people think about you, and if you think about all the things that you think about yourself, and then you realize your mind is telling you you have to live into all those things, it's, it's quite exhausting to remember the list, to go down it, to make sure that you're doing the good things that you're identified for. It may be recognizing some of the bad things. But these adjectives, these, these words that identify us, what is an adjective? I had to look it up because I'm not an English teacher and I like studying words. So, What is an adjective? A word or a phrase naming an attribute added to or grammatically related to a noun to modify or describe it. And I'll just hone in on that modify word. An adjective informs the noun. An adjective creates an agenda for the noun. Maybe we think about it that way. I'm not an English teacher, but to my layman's mind, it says an adjective informs the noun. It says that an adjective uh, modifies what that noun is. And when I think of this, I feel that adjective often brings with it an agenda. And sometimes those agendas are okay. They're good. They're positive things like child of God. But sometimes they're not so good. Those adjectives, those identity markers, they lead us in directions that we need to steer clear from. Here's what I mean by this. I, I love talking with people about uh, our our priorities, and I often use this, this little wheel, uh, this little wagon wheel symbol. When I put myself at the center of the chart, which most of us, we find ourselves at the center of the chart, right? Because our universe revolves around us. Amen? It's not, it's not a good amen, but it's just an agreement. Amen? We, our life revolves around us, all the identities and everything we go. When I put myself at the center, when I allow all the words that I use to identify me and all the words that the world uses to identify me, when I allow all those words to identify uh, me, then it shapes how I interact with the things around me. So you just start looking on the spokes of that wheel. Uh, so you, you might notice the very first thing that I always notice is God is a spoke on the wheel, not the hub of the wheel. Okay. When I'm caught up in all the identities that I am and that I'm supposed to be, 
I find myself looking at God as a spoke on the wheel. And I look at my relationship with God through eyes that are just not seeing truth. I look at my relationship with God and I wonder how God could ever love someone like me. Because when I look in the mirror, I see all the things that are unlovable. And when I look at uh, Scripture, I can look at Scripture through a lens that is very patriotic and uh, through all of the laws that we have created in our country. Uh, And that might be a wrong way of looking at Scripture. I might need to look at Scripture and allow Scripture to inform me rather than me inform Scripture. I look at family and service and social. Uh, I look at all these things and I say, man, all these identities that the world is just piling up on me, they make me see these things in ways I shouldn't see them. Them. It's one word on my wheel. I wish we lived in a world where there was no them, where there were no they or those. There was just us, children of God. But when I am at the center of my identity wheel, with all of those negatives, I see a whole lot of them. I see a whole lot of they. I see a whole lot of those way out there. And I get, put, I get to push them further and further away from me because they're not like me. Maybe I let who I am shape how I read Scripture and I misinterpret it because I'm, I'm reading it through a lens of all my own identifiers rather than letting God transform me with His Word. All those identities, good and bad, shaping my relationship with my family, and they change how I do my job or I don't do my job. They affect who I am socially, uh, who I hang out with. They, they shape uh, the them, they, and those in my life, those identifiers and adjectives. They help to keep those, them, they, and those uh, far out of my circle of influence. They shape who my friends are. They, they shape how comfortable I am serving and in what instances I find myself serving. And the more adjectives I let control or identify myself, the smaller this circle gets. It's crazy way to think about it, but the more adjectives that I let control my identity, the the smaller the circle gets and the more confusing it gets. It limits who I am able to be. It limits who I am capable of being. And it limits God in my mind. When I look at God through my lens, of my identifiers. I want to just go back to the verse that we started with this morning. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. It's hard to recognize God when we're looking through a lens of our own identifiers, isn't it? Uh, Just a filter of all the identities we place on ourselves or that we allow others to place on us. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. As Christ's followers, our identity comes from who God says we are. Amen? I'm going to hold you to it, folks. As Christ followers, our identity comes from who God says we are, not who others say we are, not who we even say we are, even though it could be good or great. It's who God says we are. And in our text for today, he says that we who believe in him, we are what? 
Children of God. Can you say that? Okay. So we who believe in him, we are what? Children of God. Child of God means something, folks. You have been adopted into the most powerful family in the history of all history. You have the baddest big brother on the block, I love to tell people. He has never backed down from a fight, never lost one. And he never will. You have been given access to the kingdom of heaven as a child of God. You've been given access to God the Father to talk with him, to hear from him. You've been given access to the resources of heaven to pray and to call out for miracles to happen, for God to do mighty things. Scripture tells us when we believe in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen? I'm going to hold you to it. If the old is gone, why do we keep holding on to the old identities? If the old is gone, why? Why do we hold on? If the new has come, and the new is good, and the new is better, why? I spend a lot of time counseling people. I have a counseling degree, and uh, for all of my... uh, time counseling with folks who are are followers of Christ, one of the main things that I struggle with communicating with them is that the new has come and the old doesn't have to be there anymore. See, so many folks come out of uh, addiction or uh, addictive type uh, behaviors and they're taught uh, by a lot of good programs, 12-step programs and whatnot, that maybe they're an alcoholic or they're an addict to drugs or food or pornography, or whatever it is. But the struggle is, those programs tell them they need to keep reminding themselves that they are an alcoholic, they are an addict, they are a sinner. But folks, the the old is gone. The new has come. When do we give precedence? When do we give power to the Holy Spirit of God who can heal us from those things? And we say, those things are no more. I I love those programs. I hope you don't get me wrong. They do a a lot of good service. But for those who believe in Christ, who are now called children of God, it is difficult to let go of the old identifiers. So I want you to say this after me. I am in Christ. And I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Do you believe it? We are not called to continue to live in sin. We're not called to continue to remind ourselves over and over, hey, it's okay, I am a sinner. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I would rather spend time knowing that I'm a child of God than a lowly sinner. I can celebrate child of God. Lowly sinner just keeps me looking through a lens towards God and others that just needs to be changed. Our identity comes from God. God does not look at us and say, that's my alcoholic son or that's my obese son or that's my drug-addicted daughter or my workaholic daughter. God looks at us and says, that's my child. That's my son. I'm pleased. God looks at us 
with delight. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High King who, who may have a battle going on for sure. But we take hope because our identity is not found in the battle, is it? Our identity is found in the victor of the battle, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The battle's already been won. Amen? Amen? Your identity is not found by what you have done in the past or what you, have, what you do right now, or your identity is found in what Jesus has done for you. He has died for you. He paved the way. He extended a bridge across a chasm that we could never get across. And he reached out his hand and said, let's go hang out with that. Because we're kids of the Most High King. If we claim to be followers of Christ, it is important to let him take the lead, right? I hope you guys understand that. I'm going to say that again. If we claim to be followers, that would imply that we're behind him of Christ. We ought to let him take the lead, right? So... Why don't we? Why do we say we believe that Jesus died for us and that we are a new creation and yet we hold on to these false identities that either we place on ourselves or that we allow others to place on us? I look at this and I'm just drawn all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture, the very beginning of the story of our lives as humans in relationship with God. Adam and Eve in the garden, they're having an amazing time strolling with God day in, day out. Just It's birds, it's flowers, it's rainbows, it's amazing. God says to them, you're free to have all of this except for that tree right there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. It's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. It says, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So I keep getting drawn back to this verse and how it affects my perception of my identity. I keep getting drawn back to What if we just whittled this all the way down to something simple? I look at this and I see that God didn't want me to know about evil. He didn't want me to eat of the tree of knowledge of evil. And if you follow along, he also probably didn't want us to know about the knowledge of good either. Because the tree has both. But stay with me for a second. What if God just wanted us to know about God? And that's it. What if he didn't want us to get messed up with the knowledge of good and evil and the judging thereof that brings about identities and labels? Maybe what God wanted was for just us to know him, just to walk in the garden with him, just to be his child living in relationship, just a a clean, pure, simple relationship. But this knowledge of good and evil has really done a number on us. Can you imagine what it would be like to just know God and not know evil in this world? To not know cancer. To not know hatred and turmoil and strife. To live a life where you look in the mirror and instead of seeing all your faults and your guilt and the body that you just don't like, you you just see the image of the creator of the universe. You see Jesus. That little exercise I did in Pasco with all those little mirrors that all those people couldn't look into, we ended that exercise by saying, you just got to know when you look in that mirror, you're looking into the eyes of the Savior. You're made in the image of the one who made you. 
And to look into a mirror and see Jesus and to smile. To look in the mirror and see God the Father, to feel the Holy Spirit present with you, and to just not feel any of those labels, any of those identifiers. All of the other identifiers that are are just too much. All the adjectives that we place on our lives or let others place in our lives, it's so hard to keep them all straight. But my question for you to think about and ponder on is this. If God's grace is sufficient for all of our sins, then why can't Jesus Christ be the simple and sufficient identity for every single one of us? If God's grace is sufficient for our sins, and it is, we all believe it, why can't Jesus Christ be the simple and sufficient identity for every single one of us? So what happens when I live a life of identity found solely in Christ? Our, our whole perspective changes. We go back to our little wheel here. And we put Christ in the middle, and now I'm a spoke on the wheel. Because I get to look at myself through the eyes of Christ. I'm not looking at myself as the hub that everything spins around. I look to Jesus for that. But part of that exercise is I get to see how he sees me. I get to see how the Father sees me. I get to see and hear him say, Son of God, child of God. I get to stop and for a second stop looking through my own identifiers and just look through the perfect one, Jesus. With Christ at the center, our identity changes how I see Scripture. I read it with the help of the Holy Spirit as a gift from Jesus Christ. How I view my family and my friends. I see them as gifts from heaven through Christ. How, how I look at my social life and its purpose. How, how I get a chance to put Jesus' goggles on and see the them, they, and those differently. I get to see them with eyes of compassion and empathy instead of, why don't they just get a job? I get to see my job and my opportunities every day as opportunities to walk alongside the Father, to minister with Him, to bring life and light into the world, to do it as if I'm doing it for the Lord because Christ is my identity. How I see myself is much different when I see Christ in me. And I want to challenge you for that as well. I'm still learning this. I have a ways to go. But I can tell you this much when I do this, when I choose to find my identity in Christ first, I know that my life is different than what the evil in this world wants me to think it is. My life is different. Fear is not my future. I do not have to be fearful about what I'm going through right now with cancer all over my body. Because fear is not my future. Jesus is. I have freedom in Christ. Sickness is not my story. I do not have to be defined as a person who has cancer. Because of Jesus, salvation is my story. And that just goes right back to I don't have to have fear because I have salvation. Heartbreak is not my home. Because of Jesus, hope is my home and my foundation. Everlasting hope. Hope for humanity, hope for this world. That we could get rid of some of those identifiers, that we could just put the them, they, and those aside, and we could just say us. 
And death is not the end. Death is not the end result. Because of Jesus' resurrection is. Death is just the beginning to something whole and new. Death is the end of the beginning and the beginning of real life. God is working for my good and God is working for your good. Do you believe it? My challenge for you today is to finish out this day with those around you reminding each other holding each other accountable to those words that we shared today, that you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Reminding each other that you're a child of God and that's sufficient. In the grand scheme of things, if God's grace is sufficient to cover all of our sins, then Christ is sufficient to be our identity. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Have the worship team come up. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity to share your word, to talk with each other, to challenge each other. And we pray, God, as we leave this place this morning, that you would speak truth to us, that we could just hone in onto some simplicity for, for just a time, that we could take the chaos of this world, Father, and all that's going on, in our own story, whether it's cancer or a job that is ending or a job transition, family turmoil, whatever it may be, God. God, would you just give us the opportunity to whittle it all the way down, to remind ourselves that we are a child of the Most High King, safe, secure, loved. God, we pray your Holy Spirit would just uh, anoint us as we leave this place. That you would bring peace. That you would bring love. Father, that you would bring life. We pray that you would do it in each and every one of us first as we walk out this place. Help us to recognize breath in our lungs. It's a gift from you, a gift of grace. Help us to recognize what a, what a joy it is to be alive today. It's a gift from you. God, help us our adoption into your great family. And the reward that comes from it. We love you, Father. We just thank you for being a part of our lives. We thank you for the day you've set aside that we get to honor you. And Father, we just pray that all these words that we have sung this morning, those that we're about to sing, all the words we've shared this morning and the thoughts that we've shared this morning, they, that they were pleasing to you, Father, that they were a sweet fragrance. And as we go, may you be blessed by the sounds of your kids heading out into this world that you've created, celebrating, celebrating that we are children of the Most High King, celebrating the simplicity of it all, celebrating a relationship with you and life with you full to the fullest, Father. We just pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS Podcast. 
We look forward to seeing you in person soon at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.